And so, Jesus, this morning, this morning we pray that we would know deep down in our hearts that you are our purpose, Lord, that, that you are our hope, that you are our meaning. Jesus, that you give us purpose in our lives. And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of everyone's hearts here in this room would be acceptable to you. Jesus, to you be the glory. Amen. Well, good morning to y'all. I want to be sure to welcome all of you who are watching online. Great to have you as well. Hey, if I haven't had the chance to meet you before, my name is Daniel Triller, and I am the interim high school pastor here at Bell Prez. And most Sunday mornings, I'm up in the upper campus with our high schoolers, but I always cherish the opportunities to, that I have to be down here with you all. And I'm sure many of you are already aware of this one, but for those who haven't already heard, our senior pastor, Scott Dudley, he's on extended study leave for the summer, and this is a policy that Bell Prez has for all of its senior staff, and it's an opportunity for them to spend time studying, getting fresh or new ideas to keep them fresh, and Scott is very grateful for the opportunity, and we're praying that it would be a fruitful and refreshing time for him. And he looks forward to being back with us in August. And so in the meantime, as you continue to see people up here who are not Scott Dudley, now you know why. Now, currently, we are in the middle of a short three-week sermon series on purpose. And last week, Jesse Rice kicked us off by driving home this idea that our purpose is found in a person. That above all, our purpose is found in Jesus. It's not found in power. It's not found in performance. It's not found in pleasure. And shoot, it isn't even necessarily found in three beautifully overlapping circles where what you love to do and what you're great at doing and what the world need all rejoice together in perfect harmony. Because even if you have all that, you may still not have real, meaningful purpose. And so this morning, I want to keep moving in that direction that our purpose is found in Jesus. And to do that, I'm going to tell one long story, one half a sermon kind of long story. And before I share this story, I need to clarify a couple things. And the first is that Annie just read this beautiful passage from Ephesians written by Paul, and it's a beautiful passage. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it, but you need to know that while the themes of that Ephesians passage will be felt throughout the whole sermon, it's not going to be our main scripture passage this morning. And that's because the main scripture passage that we're going to look at this morning I won't share with you until the very end of the sermon. And second, the story I'm about to tell you is not a true story, but yet there is truth in it. The story that I'm about to tell you didn't actually happen. The story that I'm about to tell you doesn't include real people. I can't stress that enough. These are not real people. And so even though the story isn't true, there is truth in it, because the story is trying to get across something that is true about you and I, something that is true about our relationship with God, this truth that our purpose is found in Jesus alone. And so while the story isn't necessarily true, there is truth in it. And so with all that said, before we really get going here, let's pray. Jesus, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Lord, I pray that somehow, someway, in these few moments that we have together, that we would grow in our love and knowledge of you, Jesus. To you be the glory. Amen. Two people came to youth group on a Wednesday night, Bell Prez, 7.30 p.m. in UC 303. And one is a high school senior guy, and his name is Mark. 
Now, Mark's been coming to youth group for all four years of high school and makes it here just about every single Wednesday night. Mark practically grew up in this church, and he's been here all the time, spending about eight hours a week. He's a member of the church choir. He helps lead a second grade Sunday school class, serves on the student leadership team, and even plays guitar and leads worship from time to time. And so, of course, when Mark walks in the door, everybody knows him by name. People love Mark. And just about everybody says hi to him, asks him how he's doing. And in the classroom, Mark is a dedicated student. He's taken a bunch of AP classes, maybe five or so over the past couple years. He studies hard. He's consistently on the honor roll. His friends would tell you he's a little scary smart, a little too smart for his own good. And he even got a pretty sizable academic scholarship to go to his college of choice next year. And as the oldest child of three, Mark has always felt like he needed to be responsible and set a good example for his younger brother and sister. Doesn't stay out late, doesn't drink. His friends have tried to persuade him to do so, but Mark keeps telling him he's just not interested. And so everybody likes Mark. The teachers, his classmates, all the girls, everyone he plays sports with. He's your typical all-American guy. And even on his way to youth group tonight, he was listening to Christian music in the car. And so that's Mark, and he's here at youth group on just another Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. in UC 303. And now in the midst of hearing just how wonderful Mark is, you may have forgot there's a second person here at youth group tonight, and she's a junior girl, and her name is Amy. Now, Amy doesn't know a single person here, and at the age of 17, it's her very first time stepping inside a church. And sure, Amy has gone by Belprez dozens upon dozens of times as she takes the bus on the way to school, but the truth is she rarely ever makes it there because she's suspended half the time. She almost never does her homework, never studies for tests, and so of course she's failing in most of her classes. And, it's, and Amy's home life is pretty rough. She's been physically abused by her father on numerous occasions, and so to get through the day, Amy often drinks to numb the pain using alcohol that she got from her fake ID. When Amy walks in the door, there's a noticeable smell making its way throughout the room, and you can't miss it. Her clothes smell like weed. You see, Amy's been dealing for a couple years now, and it was the easiest way she could find to make good money, and it's helped pay for the half dozen tattoos or so that she has. Now, Amy never has had a boyfriend, but that's not to say that she hasn't been with her fair share of guys. She's not proud of her behavior, but she would tell you that guys give her the attention that she's longing for and can't seem to find anywhere else. And Amy would tell you that she doesn't have many close friends. Most people keep their distance and make little attempt to reach out to her, and her family included. And so earlier in the day, with her father getting out of control again, Amy ran out the door. She's been wandering around town, and for some strange, strange reason, she's here at youth group on a Wednesday night in UC 303. And on this night, youth group starts like it does every other night. You've got the typical game, a couple announcements, followed by some music. And there's Mark. He's standing up front, where he's always standing. Of course he's standing there. He's, it's his church. He's with his people. And it's where he's standing night after night after night. 
And as the worship set continues, as the band plays on, Mark is taking it all in, looking around the room, seeing who's there. And kind of spur of the moment, he decides to say a prayer. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that I'm not like the rest of the people in this room. Those who sleep with their girlfriends, who always drink on the weekends, who don't have the grades that I have. God, I thank you that I'm not as messed up and troubled as they are. God, I thank you that I don't struggle with what they struggle with. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that I am not like these people. And while he's praying, Mark notices someone way far in the back, and she's sulking, hiding in the shadows. And he's thinking to himself, is that, is that Amy? Is that Amy from math class? That girl is so weird. Nobody likes that girl. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that I am not like Amy. You know, God, as I look around the room here, I feel like I'm doing pretty well for myself compared to all these people. I'm here serving at church all the time. I help with Sunday school. I sing in the choir. I'm given a week of my summer to go on a mission trip. God, I'm always the first one to practice and the last one to leave. I don't swear. I don't waste my time playing video games. God, I even make sure to recycle. <laughs> Amen. And that's Mark's prayer. And yet while Mark is praying to God up here in the front of the room, there's Amy. She's standing in the back of the room. And she has no idea why she's here, and she's really hoping that no one will notice her. She can't stand the thought of making eye contact with someone, and so with her head down, buried in her face, for some strange, strange reason, Amy decides to pray. God, I'm not sure if you're even here. I can't believe I'm doing this, but God, if you're there, I want you to know I'm sorry. I'm not proud of what I've done, and I know I've done some things that I can't undo, and my life is filled with shame. I'm not sure what to do, but God, if you're there, if you're there, please forgive me, God. Please forgive me. God, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Please forgive me. Amen. And that's Amy's prayer. And so later that night, his youth group wraps up. Mark is hanging out there for a while. He's talking. He's hanging out with his friends. And Amy's nowhere to be found. She ran out that door, wanted to make sure no one saw her. And as the night ends, as they both head their separate ways for the night, for Mark, as he drives back to his house, and Amy, as she takes the bus to wherever it might take her next, it's Amy. Amy is the one who goes home that night right before God. Amy is the one who goes home that night justified before God. And Jesus looks on them both and says, Tonight, Amy goes home justified. For it is by grace you are saved, by grace that you are justified through faith. For Amy knows that she has sinned. She knows that she needed my forgiveness. Amy called out my name in need of me, in search of me. 
And because of my great love for Amy, the one who is dead in her sins has been given new life through me. Amy has been justified. She has been freed from the penalty of her sin. And Amy, tonight, from tonight on, you forever are holy and blameless. You are righteous in my eyes. Though your sins were red as scarlet, they have been washed as white as snow. Tonight, on this night, Amy, you are justified. And that's how the story ends. And again, it's not a true story. These events didn't actually happen. These people aren't real people. And in fact, they're probably a little exaggerated, a little over the top, sitting on both ends of the extreme. But yet, even though the story may not be true, there's truth in the story. And I know that as I read it, I see a lot of myself in Mark. I identify very closely to Mark. And I'm sure some of you do as well. And by the way, as an aside, for those of you who are listening to this story and thinking to yourself, God, I thank you that I am not like Mark. (laughs) To you, I would want to say welcome. Plenty of seats still available. And so what's this all got to do with purpose? Well, for Mark, it seems like he's been trying to find his purpose through his own good works, through his performance, through being good, or at the very least, good enough in comparison with everyone else. You know, Mark has made it his mission. He's tried to find his purpose by justifying himself. And it's back to this idea of purpose through performance. And I'm sure if you told Mark, or if you told some of us, that we are justified by faith in Jesus, we would tell you, absolutely, amen. But my sense is for many of us, the breakdown happens in those moments where our heart doesn't fully believe it where our heart doesn't fully trust that we are justified by faith in Jesus. And so somewhere we've bought into this idea that the purpose of all the good things that we are doing and the bad things that we aren't doing is that it will justify us before God. And so in response, we stay late at work, working hours that no one has asked us to. You know, we start looking at other people our same age and wonder if we're keeping up in terms of salary and title and prestige. You know, we focus on other people's sin and neglect our own to help us feel better. You know, we measure ourselves based on how successful and well-adjusted our kids are, how much money we're donating, even petty things like how many compliments can I get for a job well done. And I think humbly, begrudgingly, the move we've got to make, the lesson we've got to learn is to hear Amy's prayer, to hear this prayer and to know how beautiful it is. And what I love about Amy's prayer, what I love about Amy, is that she doesn't stay in her shame. She doesn't remain in her shame, but yet she goes to Jesus in it. She doesn't remain in her shame. She goes to Jesus, and through Jesus, Amy is justified. Freed from the penalty of her sin, as Jesus takes it to the cross on her behalf, she's forgiven, made righteous, holy and blameless, child of God. And so being justified, Amy has a new life, a new direction, a new identity, a new purpose found in Jesus. And so moving forward, to be honest, I'm not really sure what's next in Amy's life. I mean, I made her up, and so I got, star- I got stalled in some character development. <laughs> but here's a story of Amy Continued. 
if you will. This is a real person, by the way. I read this story about a woman who was and still is a newspaper writer and political news correspondent and also a hardcore atheist. And she randomly started dating a Christian man a couple, and she randomly started dating a Christian man, and then a couple months into the relationship, he asked her, do you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior? And she writes, my stomach sank. I started to panic. Oh no, he's crazy. <laughs> but then she started thinking, what if this is true? And I'm not even willing to consider it. And so she eventually started attending her boyfriend's church and said that while the weight of the evidence was on the side of Christianity, that she still didn't feel any connection with God and was okay with that. But then later on a business trip, she woke up in what she described as part dream, part reality, where Jesus came to her and said, here I am. And she said she tried to write off the experience as misfiring synapses, but she couldn't shake it off. She got involved in a Bible study, and during it, she remembers saying to herself, it's true. It's completely true. And all of a sudden, the world looked entirely different to her. And in the years to come, she still tried to do her best to wrestle away from God, but found God at every single turn. And what I love most about this story, we'll fast forward to the present here, is that Amy, or not Amy, this political correspondent has said that the biggest impact her faith in Jesus has had on her political beliefs was that she came to view everyone as God's child. And that means that everyone deserves grace and respect. And I love that. She stayed in her chosen profession, but in Jesus, everything took on a new meaning. And so now, the world looks entirely different to her. And as she thinks about policies and laws, she's seen all of it, seeing God's people through a whole new lens. And she's got purpose because of Jesus. And so the political correspondent, Amy, they have real purpose. They're pointed in a new direction, and through Jesus, they are justified. And I'll finish with this. It's our scripture passage this morning, and it comes from Luke 18, 9 through 13. Now to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down upon everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like these people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of everything that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. For everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So Jesus, your word is sometimes hard, but it is always good. And God, we pray that your written word would point us to you, Jesus. Lord, for you are our purpose. Jesus, in you we are justified. By you, in faith alone. Amen.